Welcome to another episode of the Discomfort by Design podcast. I am your host, Taylor Quick. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a minute to remind everybody to please go like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you would leave us a rating and a review, that's going to go a long way into helping move this podcast forward. So if you can do that, please like, subscribe, leave a rating and review. I'd really appreciate it. So today I am joined by Bert Soren. Bert is the president of Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Uh, they are the industry leader in strength and conditioning equipment, as well as uh, starting to get into the outdoor space, which is really neat. We cover some of that. Um, Bert is a really awesome guy, very, very high-performing individual. He is a former Division I All-American in track and field program at the University of South Carolina, uh, went through the Olympic trials, and was a very, very successful Highland Games athlete. Uh, Bert is also an avid outdoorsman and uh, hunter and fisher, and we get into some of all of that stuff, and I am really excited to bring this episode to you. Uh, Bert is somebody I look up to a whole lot and consider to be a really good friend. So without any further ado, Mr. Bert Soren. Today I'm joined by Mr. Bert Soren, uh, president of Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Bert, how you doing, bud? Doing great, Coach. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man, looking forward to this. You were uh, at the very tip top of the list of people I wanted to get on this podcast um, for multiple reasons, one of which is the fact that this podcast probably would not exist without uh, without you and the impact that you've had on my life personally and some of the things I've gotten to do because of getting to bump shoulders and rub elbows with people like yourself. And uh, the other part of it was this book, uh, The Comfort Crisis. Ah, sweet. I literally listened to it for the second time yesterday. Um, I was on a long trip uh, with two, two of my employer, my employees, and they had not heard it. And I literally just re-listened to it and shot uh, Michael Easter a text last night when I got home about 10 o'clock at night. I was like, hey, man, just listen to it for the second time. Yeah, so I actually I've listened to it on on audiobook all the way through, and now now I'm going back through it. I have the hard copy. I'm actually reading it. You know, I make notes in it and kind of highlight stuff, and and that's kind of the way I I handle literature. I like to listen to it, get a feel for it, and then go back and do that deep dive. Um, and right. man, this this thing is absolutely incredible. This book is uh, is absolutely changed the entire viewpoint I have on life and and discomfort as a whole. It's amazing. I, I 100% agree. I'm looking, I got two copies sitting on my desk and one copy sitting there. And Michael was nice enough to send me a box of them. And I've been seeding them out to people that I think need it. And I'm down to two books left. And uh, I, I 100% agree. I think that's one of those everyone needs to read. I gave it to my 70-year-old mom. She read it three times. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's because it's completely applicable, right? I mean, it's not just dialed in on people who are trying to do backcountry hunts out in the middle of Alaska. I mean, right. anybody from, you know, a guy that sits in a cubicle every day to someone who is in the military to athletes to anybody. I mean, it, it is it's it's human. It's not, you know, career specific or person specific. It is just human specific. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're, I'm super glad you're uh, you're reading it and you're enjoying it. That's, that's oh, yeah, awesome. man. It's it, it's great. And it's actually come up a couple of times. I was uh, I, I have a group chat that I'm in with a, a bunch of guys that, you know, um, Mm-hmm. Jared Myatt, Bo Sandoval, uh, 
Scott Davis, Ross Hillier, Logan Reeds. <laughs> I know, man. It's, it's, it was really – it's really kind of a funny thing. It was a group chat that started last year about this time with the uh, the Blood Origins fundraiser that Robbie did for yeah. Hunters for the Hungry in Wyoming. So sure. it started off as our fundraising team, and then instead of just kind of going, crush it, dude. <laughs> it was fun, man. We had a really good time, and, and uh, thank you again for contributing to the raffle that went into that. Uh, Sornex was sure. a big, big driving force behind that. Um, but, you know, instead of just kind of falling by the wayside uh, after that was over, it really became this really close, tight knit brotherhood of people who, you know, we, we talk every day and, and that group chat goes off all the time. And you, you have oh, to really, yeah. you have to really make sure that you're, you know, not just staring at your phone all day because it's not like it's just random stupidity. A lot of times it's, you know, really pushing each other and a lot of great content, but um, man, I, about a week ago, I got a stomach virus that was just absolutely horrible. I woke up at mm-hmm. two o'clock in the morning, threw my guts up until I was dry heaving and then did not eat for like 48 hours. I, I, the only calories I took in, I, I had one monster energy drink. And other than that, it was Perfect. just straight. Yeah, I know. Right. Just straight water because I, I felt horrible. I was like, man, I'm not going to be able to hold anything down. This is going to be terrible. And then like at the end of that 48 hours, I felt absolutely incredible. And I, and I was talking to him in the group chat about that. And Bo, Bo Sandoval was like, oh, it's time for a Masoji, man. You're ready to hunt. Like, it's time. <laughs> I, like, I love Bo. But it was, it's awesome you say, like, I got to hang with Jared uh, yesterday. But, uh, uh, man, what, a, what an awesome guy. But, but Bo, there's just something about Bo. He just makes me smile. Like, every time he's around, every time I hear his name, every time I get a text from him, I just get this stupid grin. Actually, I shot him a text last night. So I got home after my trip, and, uh, you know, you kind of wired from the road. And I was like, man, I'm going to, you know, my wife was pretty much in bed. I was like, I'm going to go fish. <laughs> like, I went fishing <laughs> at like 1030 last night. And, uh, and Bo had sent me some lures last year as a gift. And uh, I sent him a, a picture last night that this one lure I've been smashing some stripers on and. The back treble hook is totally broken off. The middle treble hook, it only has two left on it. And the front treble hook just has a big scale on it. And like all the, the paint and everything's all blown off of it from teeth, teeth, uh, fish teeth. And I was like, all right, well, time to retire this one, buddy. <laughs> you know, Dang, and man. Him last night and was, he was like, all right on. So yeah, was, I, I've been, uh, I've been seeing those posts you've been putting up with those stripers, man. We don't, we don't have very many of those here. We're, we're, yeah. we have a, you know, a couple of hybrids down here in Mississippi, but mostly yeah. large mouth, but man, those stripers are so much fun. They fight like heck. Oh, they sure do. And it's, it's, you know, it's been neat. They're, they're running right now and they're a little pre-spawn. So I have a, um, a, a, a green light, a, a deep glow is the brand and they are awesome. There's, I have it in about eight feet of water. 15 yards off about 10 to 15 yards off my docks. So it's like perfect casting distance and there it's underwater and it, and it clicks on every night. So it goes on for eight hours and all the shad just fall up around it. So about 90% of the nights, there's a school of stripers on it when I go down there and you're, you're good for like, you know, two to three fish every night. And then the fish kind of figure out what's going on. Like, you know, if, especially if you keep them out of the light, if you hang one and you could like kind of drive him out of the light, it doesn't freak out the other fish as much, but if he, if he blasts through that light a few times, like oh, the other ones roll out of there, but it's like 10 minutes of awesome school fishing and then you're done. But that's kind of my last thing I do usually before I go to bed is I would slip down there and catch a few. And that's my, my alone time. And, you know, so it's been pretty good. <laughs> okay. So 
something you said at Winter Strong. I heard you say that say it this year, and I was I, I've been thinking about that ever since. It's kind of really interesting. You've got it set up now. You were talking about attaching a go a GoPro to a hammer and throwing it in into a school of fish. You know, I wanted to do that before even GoPros existed. Um, that would be super fun. I would always very, very much have wanted to do that. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I wanted to do like down in the Caribbean. So like you could actually find the hammer again at some point. <laughs> clear enough. Well, I mean, um, you're you're going to definitely have to attach it to some type of rope or something up, up in there, yeah. up there at the lake at your house. But dude, that would that would be some awesome it would be so cool just coming and blast in and just this boom just coming out away yeah it's just all those dumb things you dream about when you're sitting in a deer stand not seeing anything <laughs> oh man that's that's awesome um so that's a great kind of pivot man so uh obviously you know with with Sornex being your family's legacy you're the president of the company that is a very huge portion of your life but also one of the things that that I've admired most about you is the fact that you also have other passions outside of that, that you've married into that web that you pursue just as heavily as you pursue greatness with Sornex and your business, hunting, fishing in the outdoors, obviously being, being what those passions are right now. You know, when you were younger, obviously the, the Olympic trials, your, your track and field career, your athletic pursuits. So how, how do you do that, man? How does, how does someone, how do you hard charge on all of it all the time? <laughs> because that, uh, that is something that I've always just been like, man, Bert is killing X, Y, and Z, no matter what it is, it always looks that way. And I know that, I know that's a social media thing and it looks that way, but how, how are you doing that, man? How are you, how are you just hard charging like that all the time? Um, well, I appreciate it. I don't know. I, I just kind of, first of all, I appreciate you saying that. I'm certainly not hitting every, all cylinders all the time. I, I leave a lot on the table or at least I believe I do, but, what I've found, um, it kind of it stupidly sounds, is just be passionate. Be passionate of, like, what is it that you want to do after your, your like, basal needs are taken care of? Like, okay, I have food and shelter and water, and, you know, you got to put some money in the bank from time to time. And, you know, of course, like, spending time with family and raising my kids and, and cultivating and fertilizing my, like, relationship with my wife, like, that's that all like, that's a, that's a, that's a, get, not, a, I wouldn't say a gimme, but that's a non-negotiable. Then after that, what is it that you want to do more than anything else? Like, that's where I've been, for me, that's always been a very clear thing. I've never, I haven't been bored in probably 30 years. So I always knew what I wanted to be doing. And, and then it was just, I was telling my kids this morning, this morning, they were, something was coming up and they said, well, I don't have time to do that. I was like, well, of course you have time to do it. How important is it to you? Like, if that's what you really want to do, find out, figure out time in the next eight hours that you could take that 10 minutes to do that thing that you say that you want to do. If you really want to do it for me at a time that was hammer throw or weightlifting or Highland games or bow hunting or fishing or like a number of different things, I've always figured out a time to do the things that I really want to do period. And I, I kind of don't take no for an answer. I'll just make time. Like I spent, you know, saved up money my whole life. I wanted to live on the lake. I wanted to have a place to fish and all this other stuff. And I spent the money to put a green light in and set up, I, I set structure up around it. Like I set this thing up for success. And now that fish come in it every night, I fish it almost every night if I can. And I lose sleep 
and I don't go to bed as early as I want to and all this other stuff. I go, but I said I wanted to do this thing. So I'm going to spend the time, the money, the effort and whatever to set myself up to have as greatest chance for success to do the thing that I want to do, or I don't really want to do it that bad. And, and so I think first of all, it comes to passion and then an establishment of direction and what the goal is and then beat a path to it. When I wanted to be a good Highland games athlete, I went online and I, I printed out the, the national rankings. I printed them out. I was number 53. And I said, okay. And I printed out every event and I said, where do I, where do I currently rank and what will be the fastest thing to shoot me up the rankings to get invited to big events? And I was like, oh, my sheath toss sucks. I'm, I'm third in the nation in the hammer, but I'm a hundredth in the sheath. Well, I'm going to work on the sheath because if I can move that up, I'm going to, and then within uh gosh within a few months i was top three in the nation the next year i won the first world championships because that i just decided this is what i'm going to do and i set up my world around it to a step to get that so what i've done in business is is you see whether it's in some of the designs or some of the stuff culturally within the strength world or outdoors whatever it's kind of wherever i want my life to be and I don't want to make it sound omnipotent, like I'm manifesting things, but I figured out how to change the game enough slowly and internally where what I want to do is incorporated with also how I put food on the table. And then I get to do the stuff I want to do and make money at it. Um, but it's a, it's a slow process and you have to stay focused on it all the time. It can't be like, I'd kind of like to do it. And so that's, that's how I've done it, but it's not like, it's not inexpensive or not, un, it's not, not cheap and it's not, uh, it's not cheap in time either, you know, and that, I mean, even I think in a way we've kind of changed a portion of the culture of the strength world over the years, because 15 years ago, I believe that the strength culture needed to change, but I also realized that had to happen slowly and it had to happen um, with integrity and it had to happen with meat on the bone. Um, so it was intentional and, but it had, you have to clock in every day and do it. So I know that's kind of a long winded answer, but that's kind of how I've always seen something. If it's important enough to do, then figure out a freaking way to do it. And if you convince other people where it's fun too, and then pour into other people, well, then you could say, like, for instance, instead of just me going hunting, well, maybe if I help multiple people hunt and train for hunting, well, then that will create a market and a community and a value proposition. Then I get to do what I want to do, but also other people could enjoy this whole thing. But, I, but the key to it is I have to give more than I get. I have to give more to my community than I'll ever get out of it. But if that happens, then... I could feel good at the end of the day that, that hopefully I've made a positive impact and I still get to do the fun thing that I wanted to do, if that makes sense. No, it, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And and you said a couple of things in there that were, were really, really spot on. Um, and I was kind of, kind of thinking as you, you roll through that, you talk about, you know, not getting as much sleep because of what, what you wanted to put into your fishing, for instance. So, you know, okay, that's fine. We understand that. So the, the thing that, the thing that you do that I've noticed is you optimize the sleep that you get. So, you know, <laughs> obviously you want to you, like, 
think thinking about it from from a perspective like get a, get one of those chili sleep pads that's going to make you sleep better um, Absolutely. You're, you're, you take care of your nutrition you take care of your supplementation you take care of, of making sure that you, you're optimizing what you're getting so that hey okay i'm not going to get nine hours of sleep i'm going to get six but i'm going to make sure those six are the best six hours of sleep in the world so that those three hours i'm losing I, i'm not losing more than that I'm, I'm actually able to take it and make it efficient and i, I think that's where i'm mitigating my risk as low as possible i know six hours and roughly that's what i get five to six hours a night and then i'll have one day where i'll get 10 because i'll just fall over but i've chosen there's other stuff I want to do enough that I'll trade those extra three, two to three hours for the stuff I want to do in life. And, you know, it's a cost. Everything's a cost, right? But my, my biggest fear in life is I just don't have enough time. And I was over a buddy in my house and he has this poster or a picture in his house. And he said, he said uh, something about like, you know, get with living you know it's later than you think and i've had a lot I've lost a lot of people in the last few years and i look at it and go gosh we talk about like the comfort crisis you talk about if you don't think about death then you you have a hard time living your life but i think about it almost every day if i was to die right now the people who i actually care about know how i feel about them if i was to die right now is, is my business in a good place where hopefully it could keep going on and 200 families don't lose their wealth, their way to make a living. If I die right now, or does my family know this? If I die right now, is the last thing I thought about was how I wasted X number of days or years of my life. And when you have that as a barometer or as a, as a stop point, you go every moment, I hate to say I sometimes have anxiety because I'm like, I'm not getting enough in. I'm not getting enough of my life in. So I've found that I could, if I fully optimize around six hours of sleep, it's a sustainable for a, for blocks of time. And I could do all these extra things that I want to do that actually make me excited. Sleep doesn't make me excited. I know I need to do it, but catching stripers off my dock at whenever I want, that's something that makes me excited. Shooting my bow makes me excited. Lifting weights makes me excited. Going on a hike, doing all these other things that I want to go do. Taking my kids turkey hunting, that makes me excited. So I trade some comfort. I don't watch TV like maybe an hour a week, maybe. To be honest, my wife doesn't let me use my remote because I don't know how to use it because I screw stuff up. <laughs> I just use it's like stop using. It. I don't know how this thing works. Like what I paid for, but I don't know how it works. But I found that if the average person watches this much TV a week, I go whether it's eight or ten hours. I go, wow, that's eight or ten hours. I could go do some really super rad stuff that I actually want to do because there's nothing on TV that I want to see. So why am I going to spend my time doing that? Why? And I'm trying to cut down on my screen time. You know, why am I going to go watch someone else's life? when I could go be the main character in my own life that I mean, cause there's certainly things that I want to do that I'm not doing. And none of them are looking at Instagram. You know, they're always more epic, cool things. And so I just go, all right, well, I'm going to trade these, you know, discomforts for getting to do things that that will hard, hard line, awesome memories in my head. Cause all the stuff I remember from my life were just fun stuff that I got to do. That was hard, not, wasting time so 
But the bad part about that is every couple of weeks you get to a point where you're just wildly burnt out, <laughs> you know, and then you just kind of veg out because you like you're you're basically insane at that point. Yeah, but I mean, but but that's that's okay, you know, when because if if you're always pushing and doing something, then then those moments where you do veg out and you have to relax and you have to turn it off, I mean, those become a savory moment instead of oh. a, a time wasted moment. Dude, I sat there with my son, my little boy, and I watched, see, uh, well, the first couple episodes of season one of MacGyver, the original MacGyver, oh, yes. and, and ate an entire bag of goldfish on Saturday. It was a uh, Sunday. It was awesome. It was like two or three hours, and I, I haven't seen MacGyver since the 80s. My five-year-old son sitting there with me. I'm just blown out, tired, worn out. And I laid on the couch during the daylight, which is wild, and watched TV. I didn't realize you can't see the TV because of the sun coming in and shining off the thing. I was like, I never watched the TV during the daytime. I don't know what this is like. But it was awesome. We got to watch MacGyver. And he yeah, but it. Cody loved that. Oh, he thought it was awesome. He, he, of course, he had a bunch of interesting questions about MacGyver. Which was, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that's the thing, man. It's like I just see too many people giving their life away. You're just giving away their time, man. We only have so much time and, you know, pick, pick what you really want to do or what you want to be great at or what experience you want and just beat a path to it. We're, we're in such a blessed time and space that nothing should really be impossible. It's, it's just going to cost you. It's going to cost something, you know, and go back to the sleep. Yeah. I have a chili pad, which is wildly brilliant thing to have. Um, I take a certain amount of thorn supplements every night. I'm, I'm making a plug for them because they're great supplements. And actually, I've been taking um, I've been taking a, a Mountain Ops has a thing called uh, Slumber. It's great. Rayanna Carey sent me some. It's a it's a great supplement for sleep. And I also take the magnesium from Thorn and some of the PM vitamins, the GABA. Like I knock myself out um, because if I'm only going to get six hours. I want it to be a solid six hours. And I use an aura ring. So I know what actually sleep I'm getting. So I kind of watch that. And sometimes I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm running on the ed, the ragged edge. And so, all right, tonight, I'm not going to fish tonight. I'm not going to do something in the cave tonight. I'm not going to sit up and have a glass of wine with the wife. Cause I, I got to cash out, but for the most part, I'm, I'm running it as hard and as long as I possibly can. Well, I think I think that's the key, man. You know, and and you know, I've talked to Brandon Lilly about this at at, at nauseum. Uh, it, it seems like at some points, is is no one's going to lay on their deathbed and talk about, man, I wish I'd have got more sleep, or 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 I wish I would not have gone fishing or gone hunting, or I wish I would not have done this. I mean, everybody's right. always talking about things they wish they would have done, and, and things that they they regret not doing. You know, and, right. and it's the things that we we you know, don't include in our lives that we, we end up regretting. Uh, so I, I think that's spot on. And I, I think that's a great, I think it's a great mentality to have. And I think a lot of people are, are so intimidated by, by the cost of things that they, they, they think they are impossible, you know, and, mm-hmm. and for some people it, it may be financially impossible to build a lake house with a dock and a green light. And, and that's fine. But, but it, you know, what's not financially impossible is to, make friends with a neighbor who has a pond and take your kid fishing on a Saturday. It's not impossible I, at all. A hundred percent. I, I've been fortunate recently and I've been fortunate my whole life. I think one of the things I was fortunate was also was 
I'm not afraid to try alternative methods to solve problems. And I remember back in high school, riding around in my beat up 1988, super crappy Ford Tempo, riding around all these neighborhoods and 15 years old, knocking on people's doors and asking them if I could fish in their pond. And I've done that hundreds of times. And then later in life, it was going around and I mean, I was just 20 something years old and finding tax maps and finding the names and numbers of people where they live and looking and see they had woodlots behind their house and asking if I could bow hunt behind their house in this little, they have five acres and all. And you know, who's going to say no, like 98% of them, like all of them, basically. And every couple of weeks you get one guy that's like, oh, you're just going to bow hunt, huh? Like, uh, sure. Have fun with that. And you're like, yes. You know? And so, but I've done that for 20 something years. And I was looking last night, I was, Last night before I went to bed, I was on my phone on my hunt stand app and the, the, the place I lease in Missouri where I hunt every year, I'm looking on the, ta- on the tax map property maps and I'm finding locations that are similar to that same structure and finding the names. I'm Googling, reverse Googling the names, finding the phone numbers. And I have a list of two people I'm calling today in Missouri to see if I could hunt their properties or lease their land while I'm up there. So I have a more of an expansion land that con- connects to my land in case, in case I need a little bit more space so the wind doesn't blow something out, whatever. So I'm going to put the work in to figure this out. And I've always done it. And so that's where I would say I was doing that crap when I was making $26,000 a year. And I was still finding places to hunt and fish and lift weights and throw and do all the things that I wanted to do. So that's where I would say, you know, don't make the excuse that, you know, you're maybe not in the financial position that you want to be. If you really want to be there, go do it. You'll figure it out. Like you will figure it out. There are public places. There are public opportunities. Oh, I don't have time to work out. Uh, That's bullshit. Like you you do. You have time to go do something hard for 30 minutes every day. It, It doesn't have to be doesn't have to be crazy not enough people are solution oriented too many people are problem oriented they always see the problem well i mean and there are problems right i mean that's not something we will we will pretend there isn't but i am absolutely with you on that and and starting this podcast was kind of an eye-opening thing for me with that with that i started finding a lot of problems like hey i don't (laughs) i don't have a i don't have an enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough this. I don't have enough of that. And I was talking to Ross Hillier and Ross was like, dude, ready, shoot, aim, (laughs) just ready, shoot, aim, like just pull the trigger and figure out like, okay, miss the mark, miss 15 times, miss a hundred times and work your scope back in and find where it needs to be as you go. And, and you know, that, that's kind of exactly what, what I needed to hear from that moment. And then obviously reading this book and then it's like, man, I've, I've cultivated enough relationships over the last three or four years of my life that I've got people I can reach out to like yourself and say, Hey, I'd like to get you on a podcast. Let's do this. And, and it happens. And so, you know, I, I had Jack Donovan on last week and I'm, I'm still editing. I saw that. That's awesome, man. Because dude, it is, and it's weird because like Logan had him also last week and it was, it was this really weird situation where Jack had it, had it like all his equipment stolen and had to buy, I mean, that was nuts, like $15,000 worth of sound equipment just gone. Oh. And I know. And so, like, I, he, had to, he had to cancel several. And so I messaged him. I was like, hey, man, um, 
I know you've been having to cancel some. I've heard that. And, and in the back of my head, I'm sitting there thinking, this is the first guy I've had on. I'm, it's the very first one I was doing. In the back of my head, I'm like, oh, maybe he's going to cancel. Maybe he's going to cancel. And he's like, no, nah, man, I've got some stuff, and uh, we, this will be a great trial run to make sure it works anyway. So let's do it. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> well, now I'm there. Now I'm here, and now I'm going to do it. And so yeah. – um, and yeah, that, so, that's, that's but but like you said, with a ready shoot aim, yeah, we're all going to find problems. Here's the neat part about that: you find the problems faster doing that. Yeah, you do. But at least you find them quick because then you can start. You know, kind of like you said with shooting your gun. You know, when when you know decide in, don't think about it all day. Pull the freaking trigger, hammer another one. Pull the trigger, hammer another one. You got a three round group. Now I know does the does the ammo shoot? Is it is it consistent? And now I can work on accuracy. And in three shots, I know kind of the full story of what I need to work on. Or I could sit there and wonder all day if it's going to work. And and what you did is how you kind of do it. Like everyone you talk to, never, there's very few people you ever hear like, well, we had this amazing plan we built out and we we did all these blind studies back and forth. Pretty much everyone doing kick-ass stuff just had a pretty good idea, had a, had the guts behind it, had a good gut feeling was was not afraid to to you know come into risks and have to solve problems and went okay yeah there's gonna be a ton of problems let's find out where they are while we're still young enough and and excited enough to fix them yeah and you know i think you're talking about risk the biggest risk that i think people avoid is failure because because people associate failure with finality and you know I don't get that because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. The podcast I recorded with Jack, the audio sucks. I mean, his audio is great, but I'm listening to mine and it sounded great when I did it. And then I'm listening back to it and it sounds like I'm literally recording inside of a 50 gallon oil drum. It's just as echoey as all get out. So I'm, I'm, you know, going through every process I can figure out right now, trying to learn enough to adjust that audio and, and fix it. But at the end of the day, I, I'm still going to have to post that and, and, and own, Hey, you know what? This is not the best, but we're figuring yeah. it out. And, sure. you know, I think people fear failure and I think people, people don't want to risk sticking their neck out and saying, Oh, I was not successful. Right. And I, I, I think that's a big problem. Um, so yeah. with There's that, no such failure, if you, I, I adopted years ago, the, the, idea of there's no such thing as failure there's just delayed success and if you look at it you go okay it's i'm going to win at some point i mean i think and shoot in my first two or three years of high shoot more than that six years of highland games i never won an event i never won an overall i was second every single time every time i was second and I'm going like, well, I mean, but I know I'll eventually figure this out when I got my button gear and I did stuff. I kind of went on a tear, but the same thing, track and field. I, I lost way, way, way more of them than I won. But I knew eventually I'd start winning and it worked. And by the time you do all that, you're pretty good. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You, you wake up one day and consistency actually paid off. So yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, okay. That's a great, that's a great, that's another great pivot point for me. I have a question that I've been wanting to ask you for a while. How yeah. is, man, how, how is Sorenex innovating so consistently in a world where nothing's new? I mean, there, there is nothing new in the strength and conditioning world. Nothing. Everything is, is the same. Mostly I don't, I've, I've yet to see anything truly new. Right. And yet it seems like, Sornex is, is innovating and pushing the envelope and chasing the rabbits. And then everyone else is chasing you. 
How are you continuing to do that? Well, I appreciate the vote of confidence. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, you know, when I am on Instagram, you see stuff like pop up in the, the human performance world. It doesn't have, even have to be, oh shoot, not even human performance, just ads and things for new products. And I laugh because when you've been around, I'm, I'm a bit older, I'm 45. So I've been around for a minute and I've paid attention for a while too. So many things are just rehashed, just rehashed products or rehashed, uh, you know, application of stuff. Like in all industries, I'm like, they're like, oh, this new thing. I'm like, I saw that when I was a kid. And we're like, oh, right. There's a new generation of people that weren't around in the 80s that didn't see it. So they're just rerunning the play. Um, so that's funny in itself. I honestly, I think too many people are watching each other, seeing like where everything they're trying to just be reactive. They're like, Oh, Sornex came out with a so-and-so we need one of those too. Okay, cool. You know, um, I think very few people are looking at, um, just take an honest, honest opinion on what's occurring and what needs to happen and what doesn't need to happen. I know that sounds weird, but like I was, I was at a location yesterday. We, we came up with a new piece of equipment yesterday while I was meeting with the coaching staff. And we talked about a problem set that it had. And I just literally got, I brought the coaching staff together. I said, okay, must haves, would be nices. And we brainstormed on both of those. I said, okay, now based on what we've, decided it must have and the things that would be kind of cool if it had and here's the things we don't like let's design from here and then we just started whiteboarding out what it was and i don't think people take that actual process i mean that's what we did at the rig and the base camp rack you know 12 years ago there were no there were no other racks with four hole design there were no app there were no parts and pieces that bolted and unbolted like that was all new and all we did was I got fed up with how racks were made and just the, the manufacturing process, the sales process, the customer experience, all that, the shipping, everything. And I just said, hold on. What things does a rack need to do? And I wrote those down. What things would be cool if a rack could do? Wrote those down. What are problems with racks that are always a pain in the butt, whether it's shipping, manufacturing costs, feel and function? I wrote all those things down. And designed to that and i don't think people take it uh, you know take all your ego out of it take all of your preconceived notions out of it you know when we first came out with a rack with holes everywhere people were like oh that looks cheap it looks like swiss cheese it looks blah 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 all the other stuff okay it might look different than what you're used to but does it do all the things a rack must do does it do other things that a rack have never been able to do does it solve a lot of the problems that you disliked about a rack before if the answer is yes then you don't like it because of your inability to stretch your brain and look to to, to potentially better solutions or it's just an emotional response and you just you just don't like the aesthetics of it and i can't control the subjective nature of that if you just don't like it that's fine but you have to admit that the technology is better and, but that's, I could say that because we clinically laid it out to be a better thing. And what we ended up with is what we ended up with. We didn't start and say, Hey, let's put racks in all four holes, blah, 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 all the other stuff, and then try to sell it. It has to start 
very, in my opinion, what is this trying to do? Where does this need to go? Where do we see white space within the industry? What, what things are accepted as okay that really aren't okay? And I'm sure other companies do it. I don't think many companies do it. We try to do it very often because that's the mindset. And I think that's helped us. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree because it, it seems like the other companies that are out there, when when Sornex comes out with something, they're hot on the heels with, here is the same thing, even though it's not the same thing, or here is something just like that, or, oh, hey, we're doing this now. And it's weird, right? Because like I can, I can remember back when I first got into the – full-time strength and conditioning sphere when I transitioned out of being a high school sport coach and went, went to the college level, like sure. the, the whole four way hole design was, I had never seen that before. Yes. And at that time, Sornex was really the only ones doing it. I think there was one other company that was right. Kind of, kind of doing it a little bit, but like now I can go through my Instagram feed and because I interact with so many strength and conditioning accounts, I get tons of equipment company ads. And I mean, I would say over 75% of them have a four hole option, or at least, you know, there are four holes in some points of the uprights and the crossbars and things like that. And, and that just kind of, it's, it validates the process, right? Because if it was, if it was a problem, if it wasn't just an aesthetics issue that people had to get used to, then we wouldn't have seen that. It would have just gone by the wayside and never been a thing. Right, right. exactly. And so it's been neat to know that it, it, it worked, you know, that we were on the right track. But it, it, it's like a, any type of scientific experiment. There has to be a hypothesis. There has to be data. There has to be a conclusion. And so I think if you go at, at things like that, um, you know, and, and there's certain thing, I mean, there's certain things that, it, you know, some designs don't do as well, but you have to be honest about all that. And then you, you make concessions, you go back and forth and you say, there's a, you know, the cost of doing this is paid over here. And maybe you like it, maybe you don't like, you know, we were really the first company to put a whole bunch of stuff on racks, like a rack before we were doing it was for squats. It was really for squats. And then in about 96, 97, we started running uh, some multi benches out of there, zero to 90 benches, because prior to that, people weren't benching in racks either or inclining in racks. They were squatting in racks. They were benching on benches. So I don't think people even realized that that was a technological advancement. I remember having to sell hard to coaches. They go, well, we want your squat racks, but we also want benches. I go, why? Well, we need benches. I said, you got benches. You push the bench in there, you bench. No, no, no. We need benches. I go, why? (laughs) And that was just, I just kept going, why? And then, but it was because this is how we always do it. And this is what I expect. They go, well, if you're going to get five squat racks, five benches and five inclines, that's 15 pieces of equipment. Why don't you just get 15 racks and 15 zero to 90 benches? And you could have 15 of anything, whatever you want. The carrying capacity of a room goes up the safety efficiency and everything goes up. And at that point, if they'd either, yes, you're right mathematically, or the answer was, yeah, I get it, but I still want it the way I want to do it. I go, fine. That's still an okay answer, but just realize that you're now making an emotional decision. Well, yeah. And and, and as long as they own that decision, it's cool. Right. 
I mean, I, I'm completely with you on that. I mean, if, if you if you can just come out and say, okay, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't like the way it looks. It, it doesn't sit well with me. But to, to argue that the, that it's ineffective just <laughs> right. because it's not what you're used to is ridiculous. Yeah, iPhones are stupid. Eh, they're really, really smart. They totally changed the world. You might not like it, but you have to admit it, you know, oh, and, and, and that's – you know, that's just a, that's a different conversation, but that's, that's kind of how we've looked at it. And, and then with that being the ilk of where we're coming from, we try to make sure that anything we come out with has a similar reasoning behind it. And there's, you know, going back to, we were the first people to put stuff all over racks. Well, there's an advantage to that. And there's a disadvantage to that. You have to be open and honest about it. Sometimes you can put so many things on your rack that it, 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 you know, uh, block some site view and everything sometimes it aesthetically doesn't look well sometimes the, the organization is hard on it depending on your coaching staff and your kids and sometimes having a million attachments for a rack after a while you go the setup time um, is more costly than just having a separate piece but it's not all a and it's not all b there's somewhere in between that works for your staff your amount that you can put in a room, the, the amount of money that you have to spend, the time you set up. Maybe if you have a, 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 a group and then you have an off period and then another group, well, maybe the setup is perfect for that because you can move things around. But if you got to do super fast turnovers, maybe it makes more sense mathematically to have stuff separate. But what is the cost of that? You have to have a bigger room. You have to have more money. You have to more scalability. So that's where you have to really understand what you're talking about versus just look on something on Instagram and go, Hey, we need to build one of those too. Why? I don't know. Cause Sornex is doing it. That that's, that's the cheap seats, man. Like I hate to say, I have very little respect for people that that's what their play is because you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, we, we can discuss that another time, I'm, but I'm, I'm with you on that a hundred percent. So, but, but, Okay, so that's that's one thing, and you're, you're you're leading the pack in innovation, and with that there comes a certain amount of, I guess you'd say haters, um, of course, and and that that's going to be painfully because that means do. you're doing something right, right. So, but how do you go about canceling the noise, man? Like, I, I've I've heard you know I've heard you talk about it with other people before to an to an extent, yeah. but like, what do you what do you do personally? How do you cancel the um, noise of what's all, all that out there yeah we've had times where where you know not to name any names where people have have legitimately gone after us to try to throw us off or try to you know to hate so much that make make poor decisions and and how they attack us but whatever that's that's fine right um i've tried to try to look at it as an adult but also an adult that I would be proud to be. And meaning that if my grandmother or my kids saw my reaction, would they be happy to say, yes, that's my grandson or yes, that's my dad or go, Ugh. Ugh, really? Like, so the, the idea of it is go, okay. Sometimes emotionally I want to do certain things with the haters or whatever it may be, but I go, well, when, when it's all said and done and the tail of the tape is read and everything that's on paper, if someone read a transcript of my life in court, would there be any places that I'm going, 
uh, let's kind of blow through that part. Of course there is because we're all we're all humans. But if I could choose to not have those on the transcript and of my life, I look at that very heavily. I want to be able to sleep well and to and to be able to like, hey, cool, I'm I'm paid up with the world, and I don't like things hanging over my head. So part of that is I don't try to I don't engage, but I also just have kind of got to the point where I go. Anytime I read any of that stuff or listen to any of that stuff, it's just it's just emotionally attacking me and it's taking me off of Zach told me one day, he goes, man, you just got to protect your magic. He's like, if what you do best is what you do best, that only you can do, that's your magic. And I know things that I do well within my community. But I also realize if if I have hatred in my heart or frustration or anger towards someone they're stealing my magic. They're stealing my ability to give to the people that I actually love and care about. If you hate me, why should I give two craps about you? You already established that you dislike me and don't wish me any, any good, good tidings. So why am I going to be interested how to what a, what you think or B to make you happy. Eventually you've already established you don't like me. So I'll just pretend you don't exist because why am I going to let your poison spill over on me? Because all that's going to do is, is poison my message and my love towards the people that I actually care about and my magic will not be protected. So Zach was really good about telling me that he goes, dude, protect your magic. He's like, when you got to go off radar, got to get wherever you got to go. He's like, don't, don't play with it. Don't, don't fight back all that stuff just splashes on you and makes you a worse version of who you are and your people need you to be a good version of who you are. And so I try to take the mature approach and go, fine, take your shots. I'm going to turn my back and hopefully I've built up enough muscle and armor where you can beat on me all you want. And if, you know, if I don't even, if I don't even turn around, then you'll eventually just get tired of doing it. And, and if you don't, then you're an idiot for keep beating on me because I'm not feeling those shots. And so, but it's hard. I've had to like train myself to, um, to stay out of the fray on that because you could go down the rabbit hole very, very quickly and then not be focused on the good things that you could bring to this world. And so I think I, I'm proud that I've been able to more, uh, more frequently do that, but it's hard. No, man, I, I completely get that, you know, especially when you're someone with a high level of visibility, you know, like, I mean, it, and it can, it can, it can seem like, you know, someone like me, who's much more small community oriented, like, I mean, my quote unquote haters would be someone that I've, I've known for a very long time that's been integrated into my life. Whereas, you know, for someone like you, it could be someone that you have literally never ever spoken to, never met, never had any interaction with. And for some reason they think you're just the biggest pile of crap. And, and I, I can't, I can't fathom that just cause it's never really been something that I've dealt with, but the fact sure. that, that you can, and I, and those are probably a little, a little easier to handle than someone that's, you know, that's had a, had a, had a, someone that you've actually cared about and had, <laughs> yeah. had real relationship with. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, that's, it's just, yeah. It, you could bang your head a thousand times and go down all the rabbit holes. And I've been down every one of those rabbit holes. And then what I find at the end of it is it doesn't get any better. I wasted my time doing it. 
um, no matter how much you try to, it, do, it doesn't rarely make a difference. The one way I have found to make a difference is to continue on with a positive path and the people that you care about or that, I hate to say say this, that are proven worthy of getting the best you, if they're smart enough to see it through a constant body of work of action, then great, they'll eventually see the truth. And if they're too dumb to, or, or too jaded to, or too emotionally connected to a falsehood, that's probably not someone I want to be around because that's not a characteristic that I really like to find in friends. And so I go, hey, what was, I can't remember who said it, but someone famous said, you know, if you have a problem, I think maybe Bradley Cooper, he said, if you have a problem with me, don't say it online, call, call me and tell me about it. He goes, but if you don't have my number, I don't care if you have a problem with me. Yeah, no, that's spot on. Like, I mean, you're if, like, you know, if you're not someone that I care enough about that I actually will interact with you, then I really don't care about your opinion of me. Yeah. It's like, uh, like a bar fight, right? Like, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fighter, but I, you know, I've had some, some, some tense moments before, um, but you look at, I, I try to try to kind of consult young people and try to mentor them. And, you know, guys that maybe have a little bit of an aggressive streak or a little bit of a hot temper. And I go, okay, so you're gonna, someone's going to say something to you, let's say in a bar or a public event, people are drinking or whatever. And I go, so you're really going to fight that person. And I'm not saying that I haven't or won't, or you, you hear what I'm saying, but I go, so someone that you didn't know, most likely you didn't know they existed 30 seconds prior, you're willing to potentially get very hurt yourself, potentially very much hurt someone else, maybe get arrested, maybe get indicted for something. I mean, you know, a big, strong person, you hit someone the right way, things can go south very, very fast. You can lose your job, you can lose your reputation, you could be all these things. So you're willing to risk all that for a person that you did not know existed 30 seconds before. That is absurd. Now, if you touch my family, well, now we have a different situation. But for just dignity, calling me a name, literally, it's the equivalent of if that same person ran outside and yelled bad words at the sky, like, I don't care. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't change who I think I am as a person that you think this absurdly falsehood about me. You don't know me. So say whatever the heck you want. Like, I don't, I'm not going to fight over dignity or pride. That's absolutely absurd. I wish more people would think that way. They'd keep themselves out of the problem. But I'm not going to do it in a line either. No, I mean, and that, and I think that level of perspective is, is very, is a very good thing to have and something that we all should strive for because, you know, I mean, we can all, anyone listening to this can think of that person that they went to high school with or went to college with that, like, if, if we're in a, in a crowded bar where you can barely walk through it sideways and someone shoulder bumps you completely on accident and that dude is going to flip around and try to fight you right there. Right there. They, I, and, and, and that's, that's, that's always been something that was absolutely absurd to me as well. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's always served a better purpose that I'm six and a half foot tall and 300 pounds, you know, because oh, I mean, no. like people are like flip around like, Oh, Oh, never mind. Um, cool. 
Yeah, well, but there's you know, also people that want to fight you because you're six and a half feet tall and 300 pounds. Oh, yeah, 100%. There, I, always there, get, there I used to get those. Too. Yeah, you got something, big boy? Big boy? I used to get that all the time. And it's just like, dude. Like, are we really going through this right now? And then it's, you know, usually mine is, hey, man, I want to buy you and your boys a drink. You know, hey, if something really goes down in here, let's all get back to back and clear this place out where we could actually go home. Y'all cool with that? Because... I got more things to do than sit here and fight you. Absolutely. Usually that kind of solves things. I mean, again, I, I, I'm not afraid to fight, but I'm afraid of the ramifications that come with fighting. I have too much to lose at this point to, you know, show how big and strong I am at at a, at a, with a place with people I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. No, it it makes no sense at all. Um, not, you know, and, and, and it's kind of one of those things on everybody's mind right now because of, the thing that happened with, with Will Smith and Chris Tucker yeah. or Chris Rock. I said, Chris Tucker, that would have been really yeah. funny if he just slapped Chris Tucker. Can you, can you imagine that? Chris no, Rock. Yeah, that, that's a whole different animal, right? Oh, I mean, there, and that's the thing, in my opinion, there's so much we don't know about that circumstance and that situation. It's interesting to talk about, but it's also, eh, there's a part of me that thinks it was all fake and it was just, you know, bread and circus for for the uh, onlookers even if those two were just in on i don't know and here's the thing i don't care i really don't care you know some other guy's marriage did some weird stuff they should probably work that out it's not really my business how that shakes out the dude said some stuff in my one opinion hey you're a public figure you signed up for it's like being in the nfl and saying some guy you know hit you it's like yeah you're in the NFL. You're supposed to tackle each other. Like he's a comedian. Should he have said what he said? Nah, but he's a comedian. I mean, did, did y'all listen to the roasts in the seventies and eighties? Did you listen to the stuff that they were saying to one another? Holy cow. People would be getting shot over that these days. Oh, 100%. So, so people just need to be a little bit more emotionally, you know, structured and, and and toughened as well and again someone says something in front of you i think it could have been handled differently either way i don't really care you guy wants to slap somebody hey good you're gonna deal with the ramifications that come with it i probably wouldn't have slapped someone and immediately turned my back and walk away tactically that's a bad move <laughs> you just started a fight now right you just started a fight right you walked up you started the fight and then i've always been taught like if you're gonna you're going to hit, you keep hitting until no one's moving anymore. Right. And so it's like, that was a bad move. And, but then I also look at at Chris Rock, you walk up to me, probably I would assume Will Smith had a bad look on his face. You walk up to me like that. I'm blading my stance pretty fast. And we're going to be in a position of defense. And that's where I look and his hands are behind his back and his head sitting out like that. And I go, "Mm, I'm not buying it. But yeah, again, no. that's my perspective on it. I don't know. I just, I think mistakes were made all the way around and I thought it was relatively funny. However it works out, I really don't care. Yeah. You know, I mean, and then there's, there's all the memes and stuff that have come off of it. Right. And so like, they're wildly ways, funny. oh my goodness, they are hilarious. Yeah, Absolutely hysterical. Hilarious. That was, that was <laughs> almost the, <laughs> that group chat I'm in, dude, that, like Scott, Scott Davis sent so many of those memes. Oh, yeah, that guy's on his game with some funny memes. Oh, he is. But the the best one I've seen was it was like an alternate universe version of it where The Rock was the one that was up there presenting and said the joke (laughs) and was like – and and Will just sits there and laughs and doesn't get up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's, as tough as everyone wants to be, size and strength matters. (laughs) you got to take that into context. 
So I don't know. It's um, I don't know. Hey, people, are like, oh, they should take away is this, and you know, some people are like, oh my gosh, is you know, showing violence on TV, and other people are saying he should have st- stuck up with her. Yes, all of that is right. But here's the neat part about the world is it's not always black and white. And it's always a bunch of gray stuff in the middle. And it's all this. Anything he does or did would have been the right answer and the wrong answer. Yeah, it just depends on who you're asking. Yeah. Um, so, and they didn't ask me. So it doesn't <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, so kind of make a, I want to make a pivot, man, because it's something I definitely want to cover with you because it, y'all posted it. It came out uh, yesterday, I think, was the Summer Strong lineup just hit. Yeah. Dude. Oh, my goodness. What a great speaker lineup. Obviously, bringing back Luke, I think that was one of the best uh, one of the best talks I've ever heard, just yeah. from anywhere for anything. Uh, the only Summer Strong presentation I think that topped Luke's was probably Neil Kamimura's. Um, and for, Hard to beat Neil. <laughs> dude, Neil, Neil's was incredible. Neil's wasn't a talk. Neil's was like a – an experience of some sort. Yes. No, I mean, and I didn't, I wasn't there for Neil's obviously, um, but I've seen it, you know, on, on YouTube. I've seen the video. I've watched it several times. I actually talked to Neil about it very briefly uh, at winter strong this year. And uh, man, obviously, you know, was there for Luke's and, um, and was there last year was my first summer strong Um, and just incredible, incredible thing. So just, Briefly, man, I know y'all probably hit on it a hundred times, but why is Summer Strong, why, I don't even know what to call it. You know, why is it what it is? Because, you know, I, I go to CSCCA every year. That's a great, it's a great conference. It's a great time. Been to others, you know, all over the place, but I've never been to anything like Summer Strong. Why is that? What, what, what's, um, the, what's the secret? What's the sauce, man? Because it is yeah. just absolutely <clears throat> life-changing weekend every single Thank year. Thank you. Um, I, and I have to speak to, yeah, we, we had a lot of great positive feedback about all of our speakers, but, but Luke definitely had a lot of people reached out and said, wow, Luke, Luke really changed the game with that one. And so we're very excited about having him back and he's going to, co-present with uh his mentor chip morton who's an amazing guy um yeah so that's going to be super cool and they got some they got some really awesome stuff um planned um you know summer strong i mean it's it's really hard i mean we've done it for 15 years and it's still hard to really say what it is or isn't you know i kind of when i explain it to people it's like it's a seminar conference clinic cookout family reunion group therapy ted talk kind of <laughs> you know i don't know and and the key to summer strong is is extraordinary people right like it's extraordinary people people that you know um have something to say and they want to say it maybe a little bit differently they feel more free to say it in a in a different way it's kind of like you know you get an artist you you find an artist and I think in some ways, some of the other clinics, in a, and they do, the, the different ones you mentioned, the NSCA, CSCCA, like a lot of those do exactly what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to bring great coaching knowledge and like, that's what they're supposed to do. That's the brand of what they do. 
I've wanted not necessarily more. I've wanted more, but I've also wanted different at times. And going back to what you talked about, like, how do we do what we do? You find out what you want and then you build the plan or build the community around that. I wanted, because I would go to these conferences for the last a zillion years and I would go and talk to guys at two in the morning around the, on the couches go have beers and we would talk training we'd go sometimes we talk training other times we'd be at a freaking dueling piano bar taking shots off each other's heads and having a great time like living living life at full blast right and that was where i wanted to go okay how do you take these people and live life at full blast with them and then the adult dose of it not the sterile dose of it and you got to change the context. You got to change the people. You got to change the, 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 it can't always be all strength coaches. It can't always be high school strength coaches. It can't always be athletes. It, it has to be a conglomeration and a mixture because it puts everyone at ease and allows everyone to, to hit a different part of their brain that they'll be more willing to go places. And you make it a safe place where people could go there. And, um, I believe you have to have different, you have to have different people because otherwise you get a, um, you get a competitive nature. You get where someone's going to walk up with their logo on their chest. And because it's a certain logo, they're the big guy in the room and the dynamic changes. Right. And the guy, well, I used to same thing when I would go out to like a bar, my buddies and I big, you know, strong, scary guys, we kind of had a game. We would go in and find the biggest, scariest, strongest dude in the place. that was probably going to be the, like, you know, the, 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 the issue we would go up and like basically give him a big hug legitimately like, Hey, and the guy's like, looks at you like what in the world? And you give him a big hug and you're like high five. And people are like, do I know you're like, nah, but this is going to be great. But I realized by doing that, you put everyone at ease and everyone on a different vibe and a level and you you break down walls of this whole posturing thing and all this other stuff. And you bring in people that are not competitive. For instance, a Navy SEAL doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily interested nor impressed with another Navy SEAL or a Marine or, a, you know, they have respect and they have friendship, but they're not like, oh my gosh, that lesson that you're teaching me is so cool. They're like, yeah, I know. I went through buds too. I get it. But a hammer thrower, you know, although they think a world-class shot putter is cool, they're not like, oh my gosh, you went to the Olympics, Olympic trials. Like, yeah, I know we kind of like all did. So what I've realized go, but the seal is really interested in how this guy won an Olympic gold in the shot put. So there's a mutual respect and there's a mutual interest because they see two people who are dissimilar. They find the things that are similar. And when you bring people together that are all dissimilar, and then you work the whole weekend to find out the ways you are similar, you know, I hate to use the term celebrate differences, but you, you kind of do. You're like, Hey, cool, man. You, uh, you know, I had some guys stay over at my house uh, during Winter Strong, and I've thought about it. I go, gosh, this one guy is a, you know, Danny Bolton's a, a surfer, you know, spear fisherman, bow fisherman, a bow hunter, uh, you know, all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, I was also addicted to drugs for a long time. And now part of my gym is, you know, I, I train people so I can mentor them. And I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. And then I talked to Flip Flop Andy. He was like, 
yeah, I was pretty much addicted to whatever drug I can't remember was. And he was like, yeah, I lived in my car. I was homeless on the streets. And, you know, then you have Brandon Lilly, you know, his full story and you have Derek Woodsky staying there and then you have so-and-so and then you're, you know, Lucas O'Hara has a whole different crazy ass story. And you're all sitting there and you're like, huh, everyone has different vocations, everyone, different sizes, shapes, ethnicities, all this other stuff. And everyone has similar stories of how they got through things. And if we all share those stories, we're all interested in each other's stories because they're all different, but we all, we all know where we want to go now. And that's kind of how we pull together the people from summer strong. And the number one thing is as long as the presenters are having fun, then, and then, and then of course we want the, the, the people in the crowd to have fun, but we try to create a situation where the presenters have a great time and they could, they can let their engine run how they want to run it. And if that happens, everyone has a great time. And so that's a long answer to it, but there's a lot of sauce that goes in there. And sometimes it's like a, a chef, like, I don't know, I couldn't give you a recipe to it. I just know when it tastes right. And you kind of, you got to stay on top of it. And you got to know, keep tasting it. And uh, I mean, there's some, some presenters, they're like, Hey, we need to get so and so. I'm like, doesn't work this year. It needs to have this person because that person's going to bring this to the community. You know, this person's going to be a comic relief because this person's going to go in heavy and hard. And if you have a second person like that, it's going to be like watching Schindler's List. And that's not fun. But this part can make you redefine your life, but you got to come out of it. And then you're going to have this person that's going to show you some fun stuff and get, make you excited. And then you're going to get to ride it all weekend and you come out of it going, wow, I'm going to need a week to, um, to process that. And if we could, if we do it right, that's where you end up. You end up with where you might take you a year to process it. Or maybe you don't even, ever, can't ever do the whole thing. Maybe you have to come back the next year to try to figure it out. Well, I mean, we're going on 10 months out from Summer Strong 14, and there's still some, some things where I'm just like, I'll, I'll catch myself in those quiet moments, like you talked about in the deer stand. You know, there was, there was several times hunting this year where I would just backtrack to sure. Winter Strong 3, um, Summer Strong 14, and just kind of like sitting in those moments and trying to, trying to see what, it, what, what was that, that feeling in that moment and why, why did it do that and how has it right. impacted. And it's just it's really, really neat. And I think one of the biggest testaments to the success of Summer Strong is, A, it's still going and it grows every year. But the other one is you are literally bringing in some of the biggest, strongest, baddest people on the planet. And you have yet to have a physical altercation at Summer Strong. I am very proud of that. Well, I mean, and you, and you should be because there's like there are so many polarizing, high-strung personalities in that room. And yeah. for some reason, everybody just checks ego at the door. And, you know, I mean, you see guys in there that are directors of, of performance at some of the biggest name universities in the country, some professional teams in the country, you see NFL athletes, there's, you know, spec operators who probably have a, a kill list longer than I have as a list of people that I want on this podcast. And <laughs> it, 
all of those people are in, in one room and they check that ego at the door and they come together and their, their whole, whole goal of the weekend is, A, I want to get as much out of this as I possibly can, but I also want to contribute as much as I possibly can. And that is such a rarity. And, and so if, if anyone listening to this has never been to Summer Strong, my immediate response is go. I've I had several people ask me once, once y'all started posting about tickets, like, "Hey, is this worth going?" And I was like, "Yes." There, there, there's no, there's if you have anything that you can cancel to go to that, I, I go, go right now. I don't care if your if your institution's going to pay for it; it doesn't matter. It's yeah. worth the investment. It's worth the time. You need to burn the gas and go do it. Go find out. Just just go I, find out. I, I appreciate you saying that because that, that's how I still feel about it. You know, I mean, I 15 years into it, I'm still I still get the shake, the, the jitters the night before. I'm super nervous and just like, you know, that first opening thing. It's just like, oh, here we go. Like you're you're it's like having a kid. You know, you're like, I, I put all this into it. I'm about to send my kid out into the world. I hope it hits. I hope what we decided this year was going to be the experience because it's not just we brought speakers or it's not just we cooking food or whatever. Like this is our gift to the world. Like this is one of them. Like this is our May 2021. This is our gift of what I I personally believe and my staff believes could be the high watermark of where the industry could be. We realize you can't always trap lightning in the bottle and that can't be it, right? But this is just, and, and from our opinion, if the strength and conditioning community and the human performance community was more like this, more days of the year than two, it would be better. And that's kind of go circling back to one of your first questions is figure out what you want to occur and then beat a path to it. And if you have to change everyone around you to get to that, as long as it's being an advantage for the community, you know, summer strong was kind of a hard a hard sell early on. Like people didn't get it. People were like, well, I mean, still it's, it's not the easiest sell in the world. Like you said, should I really go like for $500? Like I, I crawl on broken glass to go to something like that. But if no, you don't 100%, I mean, there, there's no, there's no question in my mind that I, I would, I would move whatever I had to, if I had to sell a gun, whatever I needed to do to, to come to summer strong, because it, it, having experienced it, having burned the gas and gone, having been, there's, there's no question. And, and I, I don't think there's anyone that I've talked to personally that, that has been before that goes, eh, it was, I, I don't really think I need to come <laughs> right. back. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's one of those things where everybody's like, Hey, when, when summer strong this year, when summer strong this year, yeah. I got to block that off of my calendar. You know I mean? That's, and, that's, and that's cool. That, that's the idea. That's the idea. And you know, not everyone's going to love it. Um, most people do, but, but there's also tells us we get a lot of new people every year. So that means that some people either their schedule doesn't work out or they don't, who knows? Some, some people don't come back and that's totally okay. I want the people who want to be there. We're going to sell out regardless. I'd rather the people who really want to be there, be there because that's, that's who are open and open vessels ready to, to take whatever in and, and then, but also they're willing to give and that, and everyone in the room has a job. You've heard me say that before. If you're a teacher, teach. If you want to learn, then then your job is to learn, but your job is also to support that person today and hopefully after in the real world. You know, if they've given and donated their time and expertise to you, make sure that's someone that's on your list of people that you support 
later on because that's how you, in my opinion, you build a community, but everyone has a job. You know, no one gets a, a free ride. I know they pay to get there or whatever, but <clears throat> that amount of money is is uh, pretty insignificant, I, I believe, to what the value we're trying to to put out. No, I mean, I, I agree with that 100%, you know, and, and then I always keep coming back to something you said, um, you know, at Winter Strong this year is to be curious and be candid. And, and that's something that I've tried to take into every encounter I've had with people from that moment because it really resonated well. Because if you can be curious with people, you can ask those those delving questions you know just get away from the surface because nobody cares surface is stupid right. and, and then, time. yeah i mean you're, you're you're just literally wasting my time and yours and we could both be doing something way more productive but I, yeah. I've, I've found that the more curious and candid i become that more people are, are, are that way in response right. and and that's when that's when i find those those gems in people and uh for instance so the uh, the weekend after Winter Strong this year, um, so came to Winter Strong, had a great time, absolutely amazing. The very next weekend, I was in Memphis because my brother-in-law was home uh, for pre-deployment leave, and he wanted to go to Memphis, and so that was just like an hour north of where, an hour, a couple hours north of where my my in-laws live, and so we're we're sitting in Memphis, we're at the Peabody Hotel, um, which was a really cool experience. If you ever get a chance to do that, um, I've never been. Okay, so the Peabody Hotel, they have a duck march every day. Like they have like these ducks that swim in a fountain in the hotel. And they have a guy that's on staff there that's the duck master. And you can actually get your kids to be honorary duck masters where they get to go up oh, and get yeah. the ducks off the roof and lead them down. It's really neat. My, my, my son did it. Absolutely incredible. Like he, he, he really, really loved it. Um, so it's a really cool experience if you ever get to do that. But we're, we're at the Peabody Hotel. Um, and like my entire family's gone to bed, my my wife's in bed, my kids are asleep, my in-laws are in the other room asleep, and I'm just just wide awake. So I went down to the bar and just was like, man, I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some whiskey and just kind of chill and just see see what happens. Uh, I text Logan Hanks and was like, hey man, what's a good local pour? You know, because I, I if when I'm somewhere, I don't like I don't like drinking the same thing all the time. Sure. I, so I found this. Logan's like, dude, if they have they have this thing called blue notes. You need to try it. So I did. And, uh, this, this woman sits down at the bar next to me and she's like, Hey, what was that you got? So we started talking about the whiskey and then I just started asking her about her story. And she is on a year long journey, just driving through the United States. It's from North Carolina. Uh, I know. I mean, it's the most random thing. So she, she kind of tells me a little bit about her backstory and talks about her parents that were just the most amazing people. And, what they did when they first got married in lieu of going on a honeymoon, they took a year in like the sixties and just drove and went to all these towns. And so she's always wanted to do that. And so she is. And she just regaled me for like an hour over these, over these whiskeys that we shared together and just regaled me with these stories of places she's been, things she's seen, things she had planned to do. And it's just the most really awesome encounter. And uh, actually I'm going to, I'm going to actually give her another couple of months to really get out there and see some more stuff. And then she's actually, I'm going to have her on this podcast and just let her talk awesome. about it. Yeah, that's man. So, that, that is the thing. And that's what you did was amazing. You're, you're, you're curious with someone, but you just looked around you and found the beauty in what's around you. And, and that's, that's such a thing that most people don't do. I've had some very similar, amazing conversations with just random people that turned out to be, 
turned out to be close friends or turned out to be, you know, Laura Zara as a friend, you know, and I mean, that that's interesting. If you look at that, like how many things spurted off from that. And that was a, a buddy of mine. I was like, Hey, you're going to shot show. You ought to look up this, uh, a friend of mine. She's my ex-girlfriend. Uh, but she's super cool. We're still friends. Her name's Laura. And, uh, you guys would probably hit it off. And here's her number. I was like, what am I going to call some random girl when I go to Las Vegas? Like, this is weird. And, um, <laughs> So we ended up like, I was like, hey, Laura, cool. Nice to meet you. She's like, yeah, you too. You're going to be in a shot. Yeah, cool. Like, I'll talk to you there later. And then like, we happened to both have nothing going on one night. I was like, hey, do you want to go grab dinner? Like, And we hung out for like two hours. And it was just like, you know, I had to like pick my jaw off the ground when we we're talking. And that night I was like, hey, I need you to speak at Summer Strong. She's like, I don't know what that is, but okay. <laughs> that, that is, and, that's and, so sounds like her sure yeah sure, of she, course. she's a yes person of course and then i mean she you know we became friends we you know she came to summer strong whatever but she was one of the first people that i gave her the idea of winter strong like i want to do this thing called winter strong you help me get it off the ground and like all this other stuff um you know we've introduced each other to our friend groups and all this stuff going on and you look and i mean she introduced me to neil kamimura and neil kamimura introduced me to danny bolton and neil introduced me to josh Smith, you know, you start looking at like all those things that have pushed out in all those directions. And then, you know, and then introduced Neil Kamimura to Zach Brown and like they're doing stuff together. And, you know, MKC is a thing now. And like all this stuff, you're like, oh, right. That's because we called one another. We're like, hey, like you sound interesting. Let's go talk. And when people ask like how do you create a tribe or how you create a community you got to be curious you just walk around and try to try to see the beauty in people try to see that those jewels there and um but there's also a side of it if you're not seeing it you got to move on you got to move on pretty quickly because you know i hate to say it not, not everyone resonates to that at that frequency yeah, man, that's and I, and I think that's something that a lot of people just it's a skill, right? It's a skill that you have to cultivate and develop. You have to be very intentional with. And uh, I, I think that is uh, I think that's as good a place as any to to kind of wrap this thing up, man, is to you know encourage people to be curious, be candid and to always look for those gems in people. And yeah. uh, man, I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing some time with us and uh, and, and just wax and poetic about about life because uh then i think i think these are some of the best conversations you can have is you know no agenda and just just talk and and see where it goes agreed taylor thank you so much for having me on it was great to see you and, and get to talk with you it's been, it's been it seems like winter strong was years ago but i know summer strong is coming up quick so hopefully i'll see you soon yeah man thanks for being on bud all right brother see you Thank you for joining us on the Discomfort by Design podcast. I hope you really enjoyed my conversation with Bert. Um, check out what Bert and his company are doing. There's great people making great products and, and really leaving a very positive impact on the world. Uh, and if you don't have your tickets yet for Summer Strong, I would highly encourage you to get after those unless they're already sold out, which is a very high possibility. You need to go to Summer Strong if you haven't. It will change your life. It is an absolutely amazing event. So, again, thank you. Please go like, subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. Check out Bert and everything he's got going on. You can follow him on Instagram, at Bert Soren, and you can follow his company, at Sorenex, and then at Sorenex underscore outdoors. Check all that out. Support when you can. 
Thanks for listening. Have a great day.